Once Deontay Wilder going to get him, we are pleased to be joined by Tyson Fury. You're really looking forward to that rematch of that controversial fight last time around as Tyson joins us here. Uh, what are you looking forward to about the rematch, Tyson? I'm looking forward to setting the record straight. I beat him last time, 10 rounds to two, got a draw. Very controversial decision. Uh, this time's going to be different. I'm going to take him out, take out the judges' hands, get our victory. Champ. So you changed trainers now going to this fight. How oh, do you yeah. think that's going to affect you based on what happened in the first fight? How is that going to affect you in the second fight, the rematch? I just think we're going to go back to basics, you okay. know, getting the old band back out. Uh, that I trained with uh, Sugar Hill Stewart back in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, we got on like house on fire. I think I needed a bit of a change because I was going a little bit stale. Okay. Um, repetitive, doing the same things day in, day out for years. Yeah. I needed a change. Now, when I watched the first fight, I thought you were winning the fight. Yeah. But something went awry. When you look at that tape, what went wrong in your game plan? It's, it's not that something went wrong in my game plan. It's uh -huh. called heavyweight boxing. It's yep. called one punch changes all. Yeah. And, and I paid the price. That was it. I backed up in a straight line and got clipped with the right hand. And it was good night, Vienna. That was all she wrote. But then I rose from the <laughs> canvas like a phoenix from the ashes <laughs> to get back into him, shake him up, and finish the fight, the stronger man. How? How did you get up from that? I really yeah, exactly. do not know. Wilder says he can cuss me. Maybe he did. Who knows? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to remember what happens in, in, in these games. When you look at other sports, other spectacles, big events yeah. like this, how do you compare it to what you go through in a heavyweight fight? You know, um, you, you look at team sports, and if you're having an off day, the other guys will carry you, and you, you maybe get substituted or whatever they do. Yeah. Um, but in, in a boxing fight, it's like you have an off day, you get knocked out. Yeah. Um, there's no off days and in my last fight I had an off day mm. I wasn't feeling great I was feeling under the weather and I got a massive cut 47 stitches mm -hmm. uh, nothing went right on the night but I, I managed to grind out a victory and that's what champions do right. they win when they're, when they're not feeling great you know, there are a lot of times in, in football, uh, Jimbo Fisher talks about quarterbacks have to have a boxer's balance. Defensive linemen often use a lot of the skill set. I want you to look at this guy from Ohio State, Chase Young. He's one of the most dynamic defensive players. Speed and power, the use of the hands. Look at the, the quick step there. Impressive athlete. When you see somebody use their hands like yeah. that, what do you what do you think when you see an athlete do that? You know, it's um, it's sports. It's, it's a physical sport. You know, football, boxing, whatever physical sports they are. These guys are yeah. massive, powerful, athletic guys. And you know, if you're going to use your hands to get in the way of them, do so. I think people focus on the handwork, but talk about the footwork that's involved in being a great boxer too. I'm glad you mentioned it. Thank you. Um, footwork is the most important thing for me. Uh, you know, a very wise trainer once told me, your feet will get you in trouble and get you back out of trouble again. Absolutely. Not a lot of people today practice the footwork in the sweet science of boxing. Right. They look for strength. They lift a lot of weights. They look for one-punch knockouts. It's great for the highlight reel. Yes. But what pays the bills is the skill. Right. And if you fail to learn the skill yes. at the top level, you will be found wanting. Oh. Just like Wilder did last time, and just like he will do again on February the 22nd. <laughs> you know what else pays the bills? <laughs> Big time fights. That's right. Yeah. We got one coming up. Yes, Tyson, sir. best of luck to you. Really <laughs> appreciate you, you spending some time with us. Yeah. Tyson Fury getting ready to take on Deontay Wilder again. It'll be live on ESPN Plus pay-per-view Saturday, February 22nd from MGM Grand Garden Arena, the World Heavyweight Championship fight between these two great fighters. So we've finally got the official announcement for the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury rematch.
The fight will take place on Saturday, February 22nd at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, and it will be a joint pay-per-view between Fox Sports and ESPN+. And I'll come on to more about that later on in the video. But this is a rematch, obviously. There's unfinished business. The first fight ended in controversy. It was a draw. So going into the rematch, it's all about who can make the necessary adjustments to make sure they get the win this time. Tyson Fury, if he boxes the same way as he did in the first fight, and Wilder doesn't improve significantly, then all he needs to do is stay on his feet. Avoid getting clipped like he did in the first fight. I believe it was in the ninth and in the 12th. Just avoid getting clipped and he wins the fight on points because if he hadn't gone down those two times in the first fight, he would have won on the judges' scorecards. I mean, unless they you know, wanted to adjust their scoring in the later rounds irrespective of any knockdowns, then you have to assume the judges would have given Tyson Fury the decision. So again, he just needs to box the same way as the first fight, but just stay on his feet. For Deontay Wilder, he is going to need to set up his big punches a bit better. He's going to be, need to be a bit more sophisticated with the way he goes about it. I think waiting and waiting and waiting like he did against Luis Ortiz is a very, very bad idea. Uh, he's going to need to box with Tyson Fury, as I've said before. That is the main adjustment he needs to make. To trust the process, use his jab, and actually box with the boxer. Jab with the jabber. So, going to be interesting. Looking forward to it. As I say, Saturday, uh, February 22nd. Now, tickets are on sale from today. So, if you live in the United States and you want to go to this event, you can get your tickets at the MGM Grand, excuse me, mgmgrand.com or axs.com. The event is being promoted by Bomb Squad Promotions, TGB Promotions, Top Rank, and Frank Warren, his Queensbury Promotions outfit, and it's a Premier Boxing Champions presentation. I mean, that's a lot of promoters uh, to be taking a cut of this particular pie. Now, with regards to the broadcast situation, it's very interesting. As I say, it's a, a joint broadcast between Fox and ESPN+. Plus. But I'm reading from an article here on Boxing Scene, and it says the following. According to officials who are staging the event, the pay-per-view will be an ESPN production and will broadcast a total of three fights for the paid portion of the program. So, it, it, it appears to be saying that ESPN will also broadcast their event on Fox. So all the ESPN production team and uh, and all that kind of stuff will be on Fox. Or, or perhaps that won't be the case. Perhaps it's just ES. I don't know. God knows. You guys let me know what you think in the comment section below. I, I'm not sure quite what to make of that. It will be an ESPN production and will broadcast a total of three fights for the paid portion of the program. So will it be ESPN commentators and not Fox commentators, even on Fox? I don't know. Uh, certainly with previous events like this, like Mayweather Pacquiao and uh, Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson, they had separate commentary teams, as far as I can remember. So it goes on to say, in addition to the main event between Wilder and Fury, PBC and Top Rank will have one fight slot each to match any of their fighters in separate bouts. Neither of the fights will be Top Rank versus PBC, according to the source. In recent years, PBC broadcasts have predominantly been a total of four bouts 
but this scaled down version will allow PVC and top rank an even amount of shine. Uh, the non-pay-per-view portion of the broadcast will have six additional fights, three from top rank and three from PVC. The non-pay-per-view fights will be uh, simulcast on ESPN and Fox before the pay-per-view begins. Okay. So they'll, okay. <laughs> See, I, there's not enough information here to really explain it properly. Maybe some of you guys can help me out here. But there you go. That's the information at the moment which has come out uh, regarding the broadcast of this event. Now, again, I'm going to assume perhaps I'm wrong. I haven't seen the ins and outs of the contracts, right? But I'm, I'm going to assume that Tyson Fury and Bob Arum are going to get their money from this event from ESPN. And Deontay Wilder, Al Heyman, and everybody else, they're going to get their money from Fox. So whoever signs up and buys the pay-per-view on Fox, Wilder and Heyman and all those people get a cut of that. Whereas whoever signs up for ESPN, Fury, Aram, etc. get a cut of that. That would make it more simple, obviously. And if that's the case, it's going to be a battle between the two networks. I know they're collaborating here, but it's going to be a battle between the two networks to see who can promote it better on their network and therefore get more sales, you know? So it's going to be interesting. And the fight is going to be interesting, of course, itself to see who makes the necessary adjustments. Will Tyson Fury be in better shape this time? Uh, will he be sharper? Will he be able to, you know, have even more success? Or will Deontay Wilder be the one who corrects the mistakes he made last time and maybe gets a knockout? in the rematch. We'll see. Going to be interesting. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's Hatman. I'm out. Hatman merch is now available. We got t-shirts, vests, hoodies, and more. Just click the link below. Frank Warren has said some ridiculous things in his time, but this ranks right up there with the very most ridiculous. Warren says that AJ should vacate his world titles and just wait for the winner of Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. And they might fight twice in 2020. He's saying, just give up all your belts. Wait for the winner of that because that's what the public wants to see. So this man is saying that AJ should compromise his position in order to get that fight by way of giving your titles up and letting other people fight for the belts and become champions. And then they get to fight for the undisputed against the winner of Wilder Fury. Uh, what brand of crack are you smoking? And let's be clear here, Frank Warren is not saying that AJ should relinquish all his belts so he can go off and have some more learning fights away from the pressure of being champion. No, that's not what Frank Warren's saying. Frank Warren's saying that AJ should have no fights at all, do no learning whatsoever, and just wait and wait and wait for a phone call from either Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury after they've fought at least once or two more times. What a load of absolute nonsense. But of course, Frank Warren is trying to take advantage of boxing fans who have an agenda and boxing fans who don't know any better because they might listen to what Frank Warren said and say, okay, well, oh, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, everybody wants to see uh, Wilder or Fury versus AJ. So yeah, if AJ's got this mandatory problem, he just needs to get rid of his belts and th yeah, then he can fight people. The whole point of AJ versus Wilder or Fury is because it's an undisputed fight. 
That's the whole point. Yes, from a style point of view, we'd still like to see it, but it doesn't hold the same weight. It doesn't hold the same significance without all the belts. Yeah, it's all about having an undisputed champion, a consensus champion. And then some would say a new lineage could start from there because we never had an undisputed champion since Lennox Lewis. So if we have an undisputed champion now, everybody can say, okay, this is the consensus champion. He is the man. And going forward, you have to beat him to become the man. If Joshua relinquishes the belts, well then, guess who that benefits? It benefits Kubrat Puller for one. IBF becomes vacant, right? Frank Warren is saying that that's certainly one of the belts that AJ should relinquish. He says, one thing about Pulev, he can really whack. Well, Pulev has never been known as a big puncher. What's he talking about? But of course, again, Frank Warren trying to take advantage of people who don't know no better or people who have an agenda. Yeah? Ridiculous. It's all about getting the undisputed fight as quickly as possible. And in order for that to happen, somebody's going to need to keep hold of the other three belts. Wilder's got one. It's either going to be Wilder or Fury holding it by the end of 2020. If the other three are held by one man, it makes the undisputed fight easier. If they're all fragmented, and of course that would benefit Frank Warren. I mean, Daniel Dubois is climbing up, I think, the WBO rankings. We know that Frank Warren has had a very close relationship with the WBO for many years. Maybe Frank Warren wants to get Daniel Dubois in there against Usek. Or if Derek Chisora manages to upset Usyk if that fight happens. Derek Chisora or Joe Joyce in there. I mean, Joe Joyce has got a high ranking in some of the sanctioned bodies. If one of those, you know, titles that Joyce is ranked highly in becomes vacant because AJ crazily vacates all of his belts, like Frank Warren is advising him to do, maybe Joe Joyce gets to become. So then you'll have all these other guys out there claiming that, oh, actually, I'm the number one in the division. I'm the champion. So when it comes to negotiating with them, oh, well, give me a certain percentage. And of course, how could Anthony Joshua go to a negotiating table with Wilder or Fury and say, I want 50-50 or whatever? He can't. Somebody who doesn't have a title, it weakens him at the negotiating table. And that's what Frank Warren wants, of course. He wants a compromised Anthony Joshua, and he's just hoping that boxing fans who don't know no better or people with an agenda can't see what he's doing or don't want to see what he's doing. So absolutely ridiculous what Frank Warren is saying. He knows it's ridiculous, but he's playing a game. If you can't see that he's playing a game, then you're either playing the game too or you're a fool. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about Frank Warren's comments. It's Hatman, I'm out. Hatman merch is now available. We got t-shirts, vests, hoodies, and more. Just click the link below. Bob Arum says that people are overlooking Kubrat Pulev. They're just assuming that AJ is going to get through that fight and then be on course for an undisputed against the winner of Wilder Fury 2 or Wilder Fury 3, depending how many times they fight in 2020. Bob Arum says that Pulev is going to remove AJ from the equation. He's going to beat him. Well, if there's ever a time for anybody else to beat AJ outside of Andy Ruiz, it's right now. I don't think AJ's confidence is at its highest at this point. And I think the opponents, the rivals of AJ's are going to be at their most confident of beating him at this point because he looked weak in the first Andy Ruiz fight. And in the second fight, yes, he won convincingly in terms of it wasn't close, but he didn't exactly look like a killer. 
He didn't strike fear into people's hearts with the performance that he put in in the Ruiz rematch. Whereas before, I think there were certain heavyweights out there who were a little intimidated by fighting AJ. And I think Kubrat Pulev might be one of them. And I've got several uh, Bulgarian people who have been following me here on my channel for a long time. They'll probably disagree, but that's my assessment of it. I think at one stage, Kubrat Pulev was a little concerned about fighting AJ. I know Kubrat Pulev is a warrior. He's a very macho personality. But at one stage, Pulev's confidence wasn't particularly high. I mean, he went in there against Vladimir Klitschko and he really believed he was going to destroy Klitschko. He ended up getting destroyed. And I think it took a long time for Kubrat Pulev to recover from that psychologically. And during that time, remember, Eddie Hearn was trying to get Pulev to fight AJ. And Pulev kept turning the fight down. Then he was in line to fight AJ uh, instead of Carlos Takam. Remember, he was supposed to fight. Was that mandatory? Was Pulev mandatory then as well? I can't remember for the IBF. But it was supposed to be AJ Pulev. Pulev pulled out of the fight. Carlos Takam stepped in. So, yeah, for a long time, I think Pulev wasn't really confident about fighting AJ. The pre-Klitschko Pulev probably would have been confident. The post-Klitschko Pulev, not so confident. But now I think he's got his confidence back. Not just because he's been on a winning streak, but also because he's seen how vulnerable AJ is. So if ever there's a time, and I know Pulev is up there in age, he must be what, 38, 39 now? Close to 40? But he has relatively few miles on the clock. Look, Kubrat Pulev is not in his prime. Let's be real. Yeah? You can't be <laughs> in your prime at that kind of age when you've had a career as long as Pulev and he was an amateur for a very long time. You know, he's been a pro a fair number of years. He's not the fighter he used to be a couple years ago. But from a psychological point of view, it's, you know, the best time right now for Kubrat Pulev to fight Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I think Pulev feels confident. He probably feels AJ's not 100% confident. So, going to be interesting. Now, if this fight does happen next, I'm not expecting an easy night's work for Anthony Joshua. I think... Again, if this fight had happened two years ago, I think it would have been an easier fight for AJ then. Even though AJ might be better from a technical point of view now, back then he had more confidence and I think Pulev had less confidence and that would have made the fight easier. AJ back then was trying to seek and destroy. Now, he might try and box with Pulev. If he tries to box with Pulev, that actually plays into Pulev's hands. Kubrat Pulev is a very good long-range boxer. He's got an excellent jab, probably the best jab in the heavyweight division still. I think he's going to give Anthony Joshua a lot of problems with that jab. If AJ decides to box with him, that's Kubrat Pulev's game. I think that AJ is going to have to stick it on Kubrat Pulev in this fight in order to win. He's going to have to take the guy into the trenches. He's going to have to overpower him. Because if you, again, box at long range, Kubrat Pulev is very good at messing with the range, in and out movement, using his jab. Being very patient. That's what Pulev does very well. The key to beating Pulev is don't fight his fight. Now, when Kubrat Pulev fought Vladimir Klitschko, he was over-aggressive. And that's what got him caught in the first round. Pretty much after the first round when he got hit and hurt bad, he never really fully recovered. Kubrat Pulev. And I don't think he'll make the same mistake of being so aggressive this time around. So, it's going to be interesting. If the fight happens next, 
I'm expecting a tricky one for AJ and I'm expecting a fight where if he wins, he's going to have to, you know, abandon the boxing and basically take it to Kubrat Pulev. And if he loses, we could see AJ losing a decision. You know, you wouldn't have thought so because it's going to be on a matchroom show. And let's be real, when it comes to these, these cash cow fighters, they usually get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to scoring. Let's be real, okay? Uh, but still, you know, you can't write off Kubrat Pulev winning a decision if he does it comprehensively enough. Uh, as a mandatory challenger, of course, there will be no rematch if he manages to beat Anthony Joshua. So look, I'm sure AJ is going to be fully switched on for that fight if it does happen. And, you know, I said prior to the, uh, well, right after the AJ Ruiz first fight on June 1st, I said that I think AJ should forget about the rematch and go in a different direction for his long-term development as a fighter. That was my assessment. Because, yeah, you can jump back in and beat Andy Ruiz. You know, he had the capability of doing that. I said that all along. But you're back in the deep end of the heavyweight division. And are you really going to get time to develop and learn as a fighter? Because this guy was rushed to the heavyweight title. So you stick him back in at the deep end again at the heavyweight division as champion. And all of a sudden, everybody wants to take your head off. Do you really get the opportunity to relax, take a step back and learn your craft? No, it's pressure, pressure, pressure all the time. Perform, perform, perform all the time. And look, maybe AJ is that special a character that he can cope with it and he can learn and he can do whatever is necessary and improve in the areas that I feel he needs to improve in, even under the spotlight, even under the pressure of being champion, having all these mandatories thrust upon him. Maybe he can do it. Most fighters can't do it. I can tell you that. As I mentioned before, when Lennox Lewis lost to Oliver McCall the first time, he didn't get an immediate rematch. He had to wait several years to get a shot at the WBC heavyweight title again. And by then, McCall had lost to Frank Bruno. Uh, Mike Tyson had beaten Frank Bruno in the rematch. And then Mike Tyson had either relinquished or was stripped of his WBC belt. And Lewis ended up fighting McCall again for the vacant WBC. But there was a hell of a lot of time in between the two uh, Lewis-McCall fights where Lewis fought people like Justin Fortune, Lionel Butler, Tommy Morrison, Ray Mercer. I think there might have been one or two others in there as well. Several fights, learning fights, before he then went in there against Oliver McCall for the rematch. With AJ, well, he's not getting the opportunity to, you know, drop the level of opposition a little bit and learn certain things at his own pace. No, he's right back in the fire. It's either Kubrat Pulev or Alexander Usyk. And after that, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be more fire. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Uh, I can understand. Oh, obviously, look, Bob Arum is a promoter, so he's obviously going to back his man, even if he belie doesn't believe in Kubrat Pulev. He's still going to back him publicly. I mean, if Bob Arum wasn't promoting Pulev, he'd probably be saying, oh, Joshua's going to wipe Pulev out. You know how Bob Arum is. <laughs> but, so obviously I'm aware that you know Bob Arum is going to say what he's saying. But just looking at it from an objective point of view, from a fan perspective, as a boxing fan, you know, I think it's a tricky fight for AJ at this stage, under these circumstances. 
Yeah? This is, this is not a fighter in AJ whose confidence is at its very highest at this point. Obviously, he would have gained a certain amount of confidence from beating Ruiz in the rematch because of the adversity he had to go through. All the naysayers, all the doubters, all that kind of stuff. The self-doubts. And he overcame all that and secured the victory. So that does give you a certain level of confidence. But again, it wasn't that long ago that he was on the canvas four times. You know? That takes something from you. And it takes a while to build that back. Just ask Vladimir Klitschko. So, anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Anthony Joshua versus Kubrat Pulev. Is Pulev a real threat to AJ or not? Let me know, people. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. We're at the darts at the Alley Pally. It's that time of year again, Barry Hearn. Oh, this is my time of the year, you know. We've had a fantastic season of watching all your boxing videos and Eddie's boxing shows, but this is more my domain. This is the darts and I love it. Um, we kind of, we watch the atmosphere on TV and people who have been here kind of know that there's no other place or even the venue here uh, quite like it in sport. I think it's unique in as far as you're watching world-class sport, but you're having a party at the same time. And it is the biggest Christmas party in the world. You know, Carl Frotcher always talks about 80,000 ticket people watched him at Wembley. Well, we sold 80,000 tickets the first day the darts went on sale this year. So we're Carl Frotchisms around, you know, which shows you how big it is. It's just, it's about Christmas. It's about what it all is, you know. It is tremendous quality sport, very competitive fabulous standard but it's also played in an atmosphere that's quite unique for any other sporting event absolutely how was your christmas barry uh, can you give us a typical home christmas day well basically it was opening presents for eddie's kids i mean that was about it and then trying to get out the door with all the wrapping paper uh christmas about family as with us with us especially and i'm sure with everybody else uh, my daughter's got two lovely boys and eddie's two lovely girls it's just a family day put on too much weight coogs Back in the gym now, getting ready for a break, but hard work, hard work at my age, but I love Christmas. I love it because it's family. Did Eddie actually buy you a Christmas present and what was it? I've got to tell you, I'm wearing it. Oh. I mean, he bought me loads of Christmas presents, but this jacket, thank you very much, Tom Sweeney, these trousers, 
they are part of my Christmas present from Eddie Hearn. How bizarre, you should mention it. First time I put it, took it off the hanger. No, he's good. He's actually very, dare I say it, very generous. You know, he bought his mother a beautiful necklace and all that. So he's a very caring guy when it comes to Christmas. But he's a nice kid anyway. OK, we're going to take your word for it, Barry. Um, it seems like... I don't know if it seems like a long time ago or not a long time ago, Saudi Arabia now, but have we kind of got over kind of the events of what happened? And obviously, to end the year for yourself and for, for Eddie, for Anthony Joshua and Matchroom on a high was, was a good thing for you. Oh, I think at my age, every year you end a year is a high, isn't it? So <laughs> the secret is not to go out early doors. It's been a fabulous year across a whole variety of fronts for everybody at Matchroom, but in particular the boxing department, which has done super well taken on the toughest market in the world to crack, America, um, produced uh, a highlight moment in terms of Saudi, which will be one of the, probably one of those three or four big fights that we remember, alongside Thriller Manila and Rumble in the Jungle. You know, Riyadh was the same. You know, I mean, it was an, a spectacle, something that you should be proud to be involved in and something that a lot of people got enjoyment from watching, especially Anthony Joshua looking back on it, you know, Prime performance that I think will have, will show a new Anthony Joshua to the way he boxes in the future, which is going to be interesting to see how he develops as a fighter during 2020. It's going to be an interesting time. We're lucky, you know, you're especially lucky, because otherwise I don't know what you'd be doing, Cougs, but you've made a niche market within an expanding market, and it works well for everyone. As long as we keep giving everyone value for money, pay everybody on time, pay everybody in full, spread the gospel of sport, I don't see how we can lose because uh, it's just a pleasure to be involved. For me, it's lovely because I haven't got any work to do. I just turn up, get a decent seat. Although I wasn't front row at Saudi, I was second row. It just shows you maybe I'm going backwards. Over the next few years, I'll end up in the tears. But that's OK as long as I'm there. It's pretty much impossible to predict kind of what fights we will see kind of through the course of 2020 or, or, or any year. We know that Wilder rematches Fury on February 22nd, but the rest of it is... Pretty much unclear. We don't know who Joshua's opponent's going to be next. We're speculating Pulev, but things could change. We don't know who Dylan White's going to fight. It's, the rest of it's all up in the air. That's what makes it so exciting, though, isn't it? You know, it's one of those things where what will happen will happen, you know, and it'll involve, and everyone's going to be involved in it. Everyone's going to have opinions. People are going to speculate. It's going to be great media. It's going to be millions and millions of views on IFL. So, you know, I just think we're in the most exciting times in boxing in my lifetime. I've, I really think that, and I think commercially, the market's changed, the demand is at an all-time high, the commercialisation is just so much more complicated now and so much more beneficial to fighters. This is the best time to be involved in boxing, We've, and I have no idea what's going to happen. What I do know is it will be exciting. Eddie said something interesting uh, after Anthony Joshua's win in Saudi Arabia. He said that a lot of people in boxing would be sick as pigs that Joshua won that fight. Yeah, but he says things like that. I don't necessarily agree with him. I think I don't think they're even relevant anymore. And that sounds a bit big Eddie, but the market's changed. They're so yesterday now. They'll they'll put up a struggle and they'll still be involved in fights at their level. They're not going to compete with Eddie and, and the platforms he's got around the world. So were they sick? Well, yeah, because they they basically they're bit they're a little bit bitter 
that they're not the kingpins they once were or dreamed of being. And that's sometimes a bitter pill to swallow. Hey, look, I understand that. I, I would be exactly the same as them. I would, I would not be relevant in today's marketplace. And they're not relevant. But they're still, you know, they're still going to have an involvement. They're still going to be in, involved in the greatest sport in the world, which boxing probably is. But if they expect to be the dignitaries that they have been in the past, they best think again because they're not really so relevant anymore. Still partially relevant, but not really relevant. Just keeping with Anthony Joshua, I know I kind of just touched on it there regarding the Kubrat Pulev and Usek situation. We know that he will be facing his mandatory next. Which one, we don't know. Can you kind of give us any insight on this? None at all. I mean, I like the Pulev fight. I think the Usek fight is a, is a Styles fight that's more difficult because I think Usek has got better feet, better brain. I think Pulev is a tough guy that's going to come and make it a very entertaining fight. But I think it's out of that domain now. It's all down to the commercial reality of who's prepared to do what to make it happen. And very much comes down to the governing bodies. I, I can't believe these governing bodies shoot themselves in the foot all the time. You know, they've got Anthony Joshua is, whoever's the best heavyweight in the world, you can have an opinion on that. Whoever's the biggest commercial drawer in the world, there is no dispute, says Anthony Joshua. So you should all want a bit of that. And it works. It worked for Ruiz. It's going to work for every fight. They're going to get paid. They're going to have a chance because, you know, there's, there's flaws in Joshua still. So it's going to be interesting. But at the end of the day, the governing bodies, they should be... Uh, they seem to, every time there's a, a dispute, they create another belt for something. And it just confuses me. Maybe I'm just getting old. It confuses everyone. I think we're all in agreement of that, that the belt situation has got rather farcical. Yeah, it has. And if Deontay Wilder skips out of fighting Dylan White because they make him a meritous champion, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. It's just the franchise champion, the emeritus champion, there's a gold champion, there's... I might as well create an IFL champion. We'd definitely be up for that, Bill. Yeah. We'd up for that. I hope your sanction fees will be reasonable. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, does, it doesn't do boxing anything other than a disservice because it confuses the punter. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go back to those glory days when there was one heavyweight champion. That's never going to happen. But at least try and keep it credible, boys. And it always just looks like he's creating more belts so they get more sanction fees for more fights. Well, that's not really what they're there for, is it? Dylan White has kind of, since he's made his return to the ring and his, this situation regarding UCAD has now uh, been resolved in his favour, obviously. Um, he's been on kind of uh, a social media rant towards, you know, Deontay Wilder. We know Wilder's rematching Fury, but are we, are we to feel a little bit here, in, obviously, for Dylan White regarding that situation that he may have to wait another year till 2021 to, to get this shot? I think you're absolutely right. I feel for Dylan White. I think he's been terribly badly treated by the governing bodies, by UCAD, by a lot of people. But that's more a question for him and his lawyers to sort out because if he's getting the right advice, which I'm sure he is, there's definitely a, a legal situation going to be brought into that one because I think he's, I think he's been very harshly treated. Um, what are your thoughts on Fury fighting Wilder? Uh, we expected, obviously, it was announced the other day. Great fight, great fight. Interesting fight. Does Wilder knock him out this time? Possibly. Does Tyson confuse him like he did last time? Possibly. That's why it's a good fight, because you don't know. I think good luck to both boys. I think it's a, it's a great fight. I'm looking forward to watching it, and good luck to both of them. If Tyson wins, probably be easier to deal with him than it will be to Deontay. But 
at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's about activity. It's about, like we talk about Dylan White, it's about keeping busy. You know, you've got a short time in this career. You don't want to have, you know, time on the sidelines. So there's lots of opportunities in this world for boxers, particularly in the heavyweight division. If everyone keeps active, eventually those fights come round. Barry, I know I've dragged you away from your table, so I appreciate your time and uh, no doubt we'll catch up with you in the new year. So I hope you have a wonderful night. Well, and happy new year to you, all your hard work you put in and all your IFL customers. Good luck, boys. See you in a year. Thank you very much, Barry Hearn. This is Kevin Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope everyone's jolly and festive and well as we approach the new year. We're at the Darts today, sponsored by William Hill. Thanks to William Hill, obviously. I'm joined by 5-0 professional Shannon Courtney. Oh. Oh. Oh, Night of the Darts. Oh. Night of the Darts. What made you come to the Darts? You don't really look like a dart goer. Do you know what, right? I've lived in a pub since I was four years old till I was 17 years old. So obviously, darts was played a lot in the pubs and everyone used to watch it all the time on the TV. It was a big thing and I've always wanted to go to it. And then my auntie's also my best friend, Katie, was like mentioning I'll be a good night. And I thought, do you know what? If I can get some tickets, why not go? And I was going to go with some friends. I thought, who better to come with than my first ever night out, like, having a drink with my mum and my stepdad Lee so I've rang Katie, mum and Lee tonight and we are going to have a drink and enjoy the darts. Can you name two darts players either from or either just two darts players? I can name you a lot more than two. Go on, alright name you five then. Wayne Mardell, Phil Taylor, um, Michael Van Gerwen, Phil Cross. Alright show off, alright <laughs> giving it the bigger now. Alright, now just seeing if you're a darts fan but Fan. My favourite, I don't think he plays well, was Wayne Mould at the Hawaiian 501. I used to love him. But no, obviously, you think Michael Van Gogh is playing tonight, isn't he? Um, yeah, so uh, roughly about, well, exactly 10 days since your. Yeah, what's 10 days? Today's the 29th. Your fight was on the 19th. That's 10 days. Yeah, 10 days, 10 days. Yeah. Have you had a chance to kind of. I bet you've watched that knockout over and over and over again. Do you know what? Yesterday was the f no. The other day was the first time I've ever actually watched the entire whole fight back. So I watched it back, made quite a lot of mistakes. The fight was a little bit messy, but she made it messy. I got dragged into some stupidness that I shouldn't have. But I think the actual knockout itself's done the rounds, doesn't it, on social media? So there's a lot of different angles of it, and I'm happy with the knockout. It's a shot that we've been working on, like the left hook, something that. Me and Charlie have been working on a lot, so it's quite a nice little shot, and I'm, yeah, I'm happy with it. I know we kind of touched on it straight after your fight at your call, and we kind of touched on the fact that we don't really kind of see those kind of stoppages, knockouts in women's boxing period. So when you kind of produce kind of one of their moments that would be on a highlight reel, it's fair to say yeah. it must be quite pleasing. Yeah, I think the reason it's been such a big 
like this had such a big like following this shot and everyone's been posting it non-stop and it's done the rounds it's gone viral it's because i'm a woman you don't really get knockouts when there's stoppages in boxing for women it's normally the ref stepping in so that's enough now just taking too much punishment or just gone down three or four times but got up and that's enough you never really see someone land that kind of shot so yeah i was i'm very happy with it my coaches seem happy so that's the main thing so i know we've got a big 2020 coming that's all i can say because i want to introduce more women's trash talking like i know we've got like clarissa shields who kind of what yeah but i want to i want to hear you saying what what the men would do you want to be equal with the men obviously i want to hear you talk like the men listen i've got respect for any fighter boring one second I have a brandy and diet coke, please, Lee. <laughs> That's my stepdad getting me a drink. <laughs> um, I don't. No, it's not boring. It's a case of having respect. Listen, you'll see me. Say, so at the moment, I'm fighting women who some aren't always. Hello, Eddie. Eddie, who right. up, mate? Come here! Come here! Come here. <laughs> he didn't even know what was going on. What's that? All mean? right, Ed. Jeez. Oh, All right, mate. All right, <laughs> You're a bit shorter, so we have to kind of uh, wait Sorry. there. I'm dying to go for, wait to there, the car, Wait there, wait there. Let's, let's just look how tall you are, mate. I've grown over the Christmas period. I have got heels on. No, there, there you go. How are you, mate? At the darts today, are you? Yeah, I'm here with the missus and a few friends. We've got a table of ten. Blagged the ticket, didn't I? I know the geezer who runs it. That was a touch. Are you drunk? No, I'm not. I've had two pints. So, yeah, possibly. Eddie, my sister said, do you want a drink? No, I'm all right, thank you. I've had two pints already. I'm fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to uh, letting my receding barnet down tonight. Yeah, looking good. We've got an interview tomorrow, haven't we? We have. We've got our special end-of-year extravaganza. But can can we just reflect while she's here on her showreel knockout of your yeah, call, Eddie? Fantastic. I, I wasn't there, but I was watching live. It was great. I, I, I remember watching Shannon from the amateurs because she used to pest me, saying, I will be, one day I'll be turning pro and blah, blah, blah. And I've always followed her. And I've always seen her exciting style. I used to watch her in like the Haringey Box Cup and stuff like that. And she boxed exactly the kind of way she boxed the other night. I think sometimes you can overcomplicate things and think too much about what you're doing. Adam Booth is a brilliant trainer and he's got Shannon doing different stuff. But I think she also needs to incorporate what she was good at as an amateur, which is basically just being a right handful, having a tear up. And I think that can get you so far. And then you've got to actually listen to Adam and understand what he's teaching you to get to the very top and start winning world titles. But doing what she's doing and knocking people out like that is very, very entertaining. It goes a long way in terms of getting a following, getting people interested in watching you and stuff like that. So, And that's what I used to watch when I watched Shannon back in the day, who was, she was just a tearaway. You know, in those Haringey box cups. You were, though. You were just a right handful who used to come forward and, in the end, overwhelm the opposition. Yeah. And that's what she did against that girl, was overwhelm. And she was quite a tough, you know, tough opponent. So now 2020, going to start getting a lot tougher, stepping up, because people will get a little bit bored or, you know, oh, when are you going to step up? When are you going to step up? And there'll be more and more pressure on the opposition. Still got a long way to go. Still got a lot to learn. But... Listen, very popular, selling a lot of tickets, exciting to watch, great future, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, we're going to let you go to the toilet, Edward, but, but, <laughs> Shannon, if you can ask Eddie for one kind of Christmas, New Year wish for next year, 2020. March the 28th at the O2.
Oh, yeah. really? Probably one before. Oh, but here's, that's okay, but here's yeah, my gone. Christmas. Gone. Stop chucking me on Facebook Live because yeah, there's so Do many you know complaints I, I, about I, I, I that. I have to be honest with you. I sold yeah, ridiculous that, amount of tickets and yeah, they that, couldn't that even was come. Not, not a ridiculous amount of tickets, <laughs> but, but a lot of tickets. But <laughs> that, I agree, after watching the performance, you should have been on the main channel. Even Bazza was like, why is oh, she I on? I don't fucking know what he's talking about. He don't hardly know his name. Well, anyway, don't worry. You've got a big future and we're right behind you. And I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow right. midday. Edward, thank you very much. What right. Hold on. Can you hold that? March 28th. Oh, Lanky. No, look, I've got to bring you back down. What did he say, March 28th? Listen, I just got you your next date. <laughs> and you didn't even know that. Come on. <laughs> What's going on here? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, but he said I might be out before then as well. <laughs> What's going on at the O2 March 28th? Who's fighting? I feel like Eddie's had one too many and he's probably to leak something he shouldn't have leaked. I get a feeling... Did he say the O2? Are you sure? He just said the O2. Watch it back. I'm sure he just said March 28th, the O2. When he comes back out of the could it, could it Could it be the Chisora Yusek fight? Possibly. Aye, but I heard that was... Oh, I better not say. It doesn't matter. What, well, I you know, We're an open book here at IFL. Oh, we are very much. I heard that was February, either Manchester or London. But it's the date I got told was February. Not for me, but for that fight. So... Chisora Usyk with a little bit of Shannon Courtney on. Well, when he walks past, we'll just try and chuck it into him as he's going past. I think he's had more than two pints. 100%. Someone, he was a bit drunk there, wasn't he? Someone said, do you want Jaeger? And he's going, oh, go on it. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you can, you can bring her drink here. No, shut and ask him. What date? Oh, look, he's getting mobbed for pictures oh, right now. Proper celeb. Um, but... At least you know you're going to be possibly out. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Nice. No, we'll do more, more selfies. Twice before March. Twice by March 28th. Okay. Mum, March 28th apparently. No, no holidays in March. She always books a holiday and misses my fights. I noticed earlier on. Your mother didn't want to come anywhere near this interview, but <laughs> since we've started the interview, she's come closer. <laughs> Jane, you Can't we just hear your voice? Just the voice, Jane. No holidays till April, no. no Can we not pay her? Nah, it's not happening. What about Lee? Lee, is that one on camera? <laughs> no, no chance. All right, third choice, Katie? <laughs> we need to get Nan Sharon on camera. I'm telling you now, if you got my Nan Sharon on camera, your views would just rock it. Alright, you know I'm a view whore, so... <laughs> you know. are a massive view whore. Yeah, You'd sell yourself a view, so I know that that would all right, go. Alright, love, alright, love, alright, love, okay. Um, right, well listen, I know uh, I'm... Alright, I was just about to do that. I know I dragged you away from your family and your night out. Appreciate your time as always, Shannon Courtney. I was going to say, this is this is actually the first interview I've done since Christmas, so yeah. Is it really? Well, I don't, oh no, you're doing one with Eddie tomorrow. I was going to say, I don't think you should do any two after New Year's and I'll be like the first of 2020, but yeah. I guess somehow Eddie takes priority. No, he doesn't take priority over you actually, Shen. No. I hope not. Absolutely not. You, you, you saw the knockout, let's be honest. He, he couldn't produce a knockout like that. 
Shannon Courtney, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Enjoy your time here at the Darts at Alexander Palace, or Ali Pali, and uh, we'll catch up with you in the new year. Brilliant. Cheers, Coogan. Thank you. <laughs> Why are you just staring at the camera? I'm walking off. <laughs>